One of my favorite hobbies as a kid was uh, I love to draw. I used to draw all kind of different pictures. A notebook was a, basically just a book of endless possibilities, right, of different things that I could draw. Being young and being a big sports fan like I was, one of my favorite things to draw were my favorite players. And as I would go through the different, different seasons of, of sports, I might have a basketball player, baseball player, but one of my favorites was drawing football players. And this was like the glory days of the 90s where I was drawing, you know, like Steve Young, Brett Favre, Troy Aikman, and no Saints players. <laughs> but every time I'd draw a football player, my mom and dad would always laugh because the, the head of the football player looked like a mailbox. It's about a half circle with a little line for the face, draw a face mask, but it all kind of blended together and it looked like a really, really nice mailbox. Got a logo on the side of it, a little face on it. And the older I got, the more I realized how terrible the drawings were. But, like any kid, I would make my drawing and I'd hand it to my dad. Look, I drew another ball player. Look, I drew another person. Look, I drew another thing. And my dad would look at me and he would say, oh man, thank you, buddy, appreciate it. And then I didn't know what happened to those pictures afterwards. Some people would think, some, uh, sometimes I thought maybe they would end up on the refrigerator. And then when they, did, when they didn't end up on our refrigerator, I thought they were going another place in the kitchen that was not so glorious. The garbage. <laughs> but after a few years, after a few you know, months of drawing and giving my dad these things, I ended up going to his office one day. And when I walked into his office, when you look at where his desk was, the wall where he, that he would face on a daily basis was covered with loose leaf sheets of paper and football players with mailboxes for heads. <laughs> and he was proud of every one of those pictures that I drew. No matter how terrible they looked, no matter how artistically messed up they were, <laughs> No matter how much the lines might not be completely straight or colored in completely, sure enough, I had a whole roster of the Hall of Fame of my mid-1990s quarterbacks littered across the wall. Today, in our second reading, the very end, we get this, we get this image from St. Paul that says we are God's workmanship. We're his craftsmanship. We're his project. Now that word isn't the best expression of what the Greek actually meant. The Greek word that it's translated from is the same word where we get the word poem. We're God's piece of art. We're his workmanship. We're a project that he built, yes. But more so, we're his piece of art. It may not be perfect, but it's beautiful. It may not be completely colored in the lines, but in his eyes, he sees goodness. He sees beauty. It may have a football player with a mailbox for a head, but it still deserves a place on the wall. See, in all of our lives, I think if we would go back and we would reflect, and we would look at our life as if it was a piece of art, whether that be a poem, 
where the words don't quite rhyme perfectly. Or where it would be a piece of music that might have a couple of notes that seem to just be a little bit off-key. Or a painting with a smudge or two on it that could ruin the whole picture if we don't look at it with the right pair of eyes. I think every one of us could look at our life and see a checkered past that may not be exactly perfect. But when we offer it to the Lord, when we give what we got to God, He sees it as beautiful. He sees it as good. And He hangs it on His wall. We come to this period in Lent after now a few weeks of of fasting, of increasing our prayer, of going through all these themes, of walking with Jesus through the desert. And at this point, a lot of times, we can kind of get to the point where, man, this is getting hard. This is getting aggravating. I'm tired of this. In reality, we're on the back nine now. We've, we've hit the peak. We're on the downslope. And I think for us, it's a good reminder as we go forward Like the church gives us today, Laetare Sunday, a Sunday for rejoicing. I think it's a good time for us to kind of look forward to where we're going. See, the whole point of Lent is not for us to just be kind of downtrodden and stuck in our sin and stuck in our guilt and just continuing to reflect on the bad, the bad, the smudges, the off-key note note, or the picture that doesn't look perfect, right? Right? Because quite honestly, I don't know about you, but my life is hard enough where I don't have to bring it to church. All of us are invited at this point. Let's look forward. What is it that we're doing all this for? Where are we going? What is it that Lent is leading to? Because every struggle that we have in our life, every struggle that we have throughout this Lenten season, Every struggle that we have in our day-to-day should be leading us not to a sense of despair where the struggle is too big or the tunnel is too dark, but rather to a hope of what's to come. See, as we go through Lent, we're inching ever closer to that Paschal Triduum, those three days of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter that we, we're going to be approaching seemingly the darkest of the dark, the lowest of the low in Good Friday. But if we look at it with the right lens, Good Friday can become beautiful for us. Good Friday is not too big. It's not too hard. Good Friday can be a time where we look at it and say, you know what, when God gives us Good Friday, he says, you're worth it. I'm not doing this for any other sake other than to love and to save you. Today in our gospel, we hear at the very beginning that Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. The story he's referencing in the Old Testament where there were serpents that were sent to unbelieving people to bite them. 
to the unbelievers of, of Israel, there were, there were serpents that were sent to bite them, and they were going to die. Moses puts a bronze serpent, a bronze statue of a serpent, on a pole. And the whole idea was that if the person who was bitten looked at the serpent with a sense of faith, they were healed. If they, were, if they had faith enough to do what God asked, they were healed of their ailment. They would survive. See, Jesus is talking, to, talking about himself that he's going to become the serpent. The Son of Man is going to be lifted up on Good Friday on a pole for his believers to gaze at. He's going to be lifted up and he's going to pay a debt that sin has incurred upon us. He's going to lift us out of the darkness. He's going to lift us up into heaven. Each one of us, when we approach when we approach the altar, when we approach this sacrament, when we approach the celebrations that we have today in the Mass and to come in Easter, each one of us receive essentially a love note from the Lord that says, you know what? You're worth Good Friday. There's a reason why to, uh, one of the verses in today's Scripture is shown at football, everywhere from football games to Bourbon Street there in Mardi Gras of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. Pope Francis once said that this verse, this popular verse that we see all over the place, that this verse is the summary of the entirety of the gospel. That God gives us his son so that we can have eternal life. That's an amazing gift. That's an amazing thing for all of us to be able to reflect on now while walking through the desert with our Lord as we approach the beauty of Easter. So we approach the promise of eternal life that God has for each one of us. Today, as we come to the Lord, like Jesus, God is offering us His Son and in any relationship of love, when we're offered something, we have to respond. God is offering his son for us and to us. And it doesn't matter what the, the art of your life looks like. If it's an abstract painting that you don't really know what it is, or if it's a masterpiece, God just wants you to offer your painting, your drawing to him. Not letting, the, not letting the despair or the struggle of Lent or of life get in the way, but just to offer whatever you got to him. And like a good, loving father, he receives it. Like a good, loving father, it makes its way to his wall. And like a good, loving father, he gives us all the promise of eternal life at Easter. May we continue through this Lenten season well. May we receive the Lord well. And may we put His Word, His, His love, and His Word into practice.